message you're about to listen to is produced by the Trans Edge Church. We believe you will be blessed and changed by it. The Trans Edge change is inevitable. Hallelujah. Just before we move ahead, I thought we should um, pray particularly for our partners. And I'm not talking about your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend. No, I'm not talking about that here. I'm talking about our ministry partners. Those that support the work of the ministry to move forward. Especially through their giving. And God has placed it in my heart very strongly um, that people give usually not because they are happy to give. People give at times out of necessity. People give out of um, a need. And there are other people who give out of gratitude to God. And there are people who give because they are in obedience to God's word. So different reasons for giving. But all of these helps God's work to move forward. It helps to propagate the kingdom of God. And, and I feel very strongly that, you know, that will continue to pray for these people because God will make you a channel so much so that the more you give, the, more, the less you feel that you're giving. In other words, it won't, you won't feel the pinch of it. You, it's, it's not like you won't feel like you're giving, but you will have so much so to give that you won't be bothered how much to give. That you won't keep thinking about, okay, how much will be left in my account when I'm giving? You have over an abundance, overflowing in the name of Jesus. And I pray for you that wherever you do, or wherever you do, wherever you go, doors will be open to you. God's grace will be available to you. And people will respond to you. Whether you are qualified or not, they will respond to you. In the name of Jesus, as you have caused God's work to progress, so will he stand fast to see that you progress in everything that you do. Whatever you lay your hands for to do will prosper and light will shine on your way in the name of Jesus. And for those, God, who have always had this good intention to give, but circumstances have held them bound, I release them to be able to do what their hearts determined to do in the name of Jesus. And Father, you bless them. Because these ones have been called to inherit a blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's do it. Last week, we were talking about God's leading, and we talked about detour um, in God's leading. We talked about dead ends in God's leading. And today, we're talking about dry holes. In God's leading. Now, it's quite interesting when you're talking about dead detours and dead ends in God's leading. You're thinking, what is God? Why would he be leading you to dead ends and, and detours? Doesn't he know where he's, where he's going? Isn't he master of the universe? Doesn't he have a master plan? He does have a master plan. 
And to us, it's dead ends. But to him, it's, it's, it's a highway. To us, it's detour. But to him, he is following a particular purpose, a plan set out for your life, for your good. So most times, when we talk about detours and dead ends and, and dry holes, it's actually from our perspective because he doesn't see things like that. To him, a wall... It's nothing, he, he walks straight. To him, a mountain is nothing because it sits on top of it. But for us, a mountain stops us from moving forward, right? The sea, you look at the sea and go, whoa, I can cross this. Even the best swimmer in this room, I'm not quite sure, but I'm just going to take a, an educated guess. Caleb, because I've always heard that he swims a lot. But who knows if Courtney is better? I don't know. But I know that, hey, there's no black person in here that can swim. It's true. And I can say that because I'm black. Put me in the water and I'll sink terribly. It's true. And I boast about that. I'll sink. Because the truth is I have no idea how to swim. But put me in the water of faith and I'll float. Do you know why? Because that is what I've built myself on. To trust God without trying to tell myself, I know what to do, I know what to do. No, 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 I don't know what to do. He knows what to do. So why should I start to think that I know what to do when he knows what to do and he's on my side? And if he's on my side... I need nothing else. And all I've got to do is just to follow him. And at times when he allows me to go ahead, I know he's behind me, guiding me. All right, let's come back home. So detours, dead ends, and dry holes. And last week we established that the children of Israel left the land of Egypt towards the land of Canaan, where God has promised them, and God called it a land, you know, of milk and honey. And um, in other words, that's where everything you ever desire in life, that's where you find. But on their way there, the Bible specifically said that God led them through a longer route. And that's quite interesting. Leading them through a longer route when you know that there's a shorter way to get there. But we realized that last week that the reason why he had to lead them through a longer route, it's, it was because he knew their makeup. He knew that these guys, when they encounter war, they will run back to Egypt. He spent the last 400 years hatching plan to deliver them. Not because he couldn't deliver them by his mighty hands, but he wanted to deal with us just as men. And that's why Genesis chapter 8, it says, I know they are men, verse 6, I know they are men, so my spirit shall no longer contend with men because they are flesh. You know, so many times, the spirit of God pushes us to the point where he wants us to do it, but whilst we're trying to push ourselves to the point, 
we find something inside of us going against the spirit. And then he's feeling like, why don't you get it? And I can understand some of the frustrations, or I can't understand, but I can imagine some of the frustrations that, that God would have had. And you think, is God ever frustrated? And someone is shaking their head, no, God is never frustrated. Of course he gets frustrated. Genesis chapter, uh, no, not Genesis, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, do, I do not frustrate the grace of God. In other words, there's a possibility to frustrate God's grace. Why do you think God destroyed the earth? Because he was frustrated with these guys. They have no idea what's wrong with you guys. I gave you everything and you still don't get it. And Jesus later realized, oh, they're just, they just like that, God. They're just like that. Please forgive them for they know not what they're doing. So at times, I, I can kind of try to imagine that, you know, the way God looks at us because he planned everything perfect for us, but we chose our way, right? He planned everything perfect. He set everything in the right path for us that we should just get born, we're born, and live in it and walk in it in, in the nicest, beautiful path. But then you know what we do with that path? We just kept bumping out of the path. And Psalm chapter 23 says, he leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And think about it, if it was not for his name's sake, we would have been gone. And the way I imagine that verse is that he leads us in the path of righteousness. That word lead is not only just to kind of pet you back. Oh, it's okay, please come back. No, at times he has to bump you back. What is wrong with you? And the, and the, the harder he bumps you just shows how mature you are in him. For, for some people, they will lose heart and go, oh no, is this how Christianity is? I don't want to be a Christian because it's too hard to be a Christian. It is not. If only you know how to let go and let God because when you let God, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that he, we can ever ask or imagine according to his power. Don't forget, his power that is at work within us his power that is at work within us. So what power? Okay, let's not go there. All right. That's one way I just keep veering. I want to keep myself today. Stay focused, Marcus. All right. So I'd rather God sees me fulfilling his plan for my life. I'm not going to fulfill God's plan for your life. I'm going to fulfill God's plans for my life. Whilst I'm helping you, if I could, help you to, you know, to understand your, God's plan for your life, my trying to help you understand God's plan for your life is also a plan for me to develop while I'm helping you. Because on the path to help you is the path where I actually develop. Because the skills that you cannot make use of, you don't own. You don't own. You don't get better in them. It's true. 
So say to me, you are a good cook, right? And you've, and you've not cooked for the past five years. And you invite me for dinner. I will eat before I come so that I don't have enough room to fill your food. Because I've been told you've not been cooking for a very long time. And yet you have a certificate on your wall to say, a cook. And the best thing that you can produce is to Google it. I won't trust you. And would you trust a medical doctor when you walk into his office and you say, well, this guy, you know, was, was uh, you know, was certified a medical doctor in 1951, but he has been on leave for the past 30 years? Boy, I will stand up and walk out. It's true, because I don't trust him. He's not been practicing. In fact, the fact is, the government will not even want him to come back. They won't pay him. And that's what they, why they have this continuous professional development, because they want you to keep getting better at doing what you're doing. Praise God. Exodus chapter 14. And where we stopped last week was when they were right against the Red Sea. And we talked about how somehow God hedged them in. They hedged them in. He told Moses where to lead them. And that's the most, that's, that's, that blows my, my mind completely. He told Moses where to lead them. And where Moses led them was a place where they have no way to escape. Okay? On one side, there was a mountain. On the other side, there was another mountain. Think about it, 500,000 people climbing a mountain. It's not possible. Not even one person can. Because it was, not, it was not a hill, it was a mountain. All right? So, one side there was a mountain, on the other side there was a mountain, and at the front was the Red Sea. Even if you are the best swimmer, I bet you it's probably five kilometers that you can swim. And that's massive. You can't even walk five kilometers. You want to swim it? You want to try it? Okay. So, the Red Sea was in front of them. On the two sides were mountains. And on the back was Pharaoh and his armies coming for them. And these guys were not stopping. They were actively coming for them. They were aggressive. And they said his best men, that was the, the, the guys that he took, his best men, 600 of them. So, and that was where God directed them to go. I want you to pitch your camp around, and they pitched their camp in a place where they had no way of escape. Now think about it. And there are times in life, it just, 
that's just what it is. At times, you just look around and you don't, you don't know where to look. You don't know where to look. You look this side and look this side and you, you look forward. There's no forward to move. And you look backward. It feels like, oh, no, everything is against me. But there's a way of escape. You know that? There's a way of escape. It's upward. Did you realize that? Did they realize that? That the way of escape is upward. They only have four sides to them. The first side was blocked by a mountain. second side blocked by a mountain. The front was blocked by the sea. The back was blocked by the enemy. And the ground was solid. But they still have a way of escape. Hebrews chapter 12, looking unto Jesus. Upward. He said, you know, the book, the book of Psalms says, he said, I look up to the mountains from whence comes my help. That was the question. Where does my help come? I'm looking up to the mountain. I'm looking for the help of men. How could men help me? So, but I realize that my help comes from God who makes heaven and earth. And the message Bible added, and the mountain. He will not allow your foot to be moved. In other words, you know, when, when God told them, stand still, fear not. That's the first, time, first thing they said. Fear not. Stand still and see. Mm. Verse 13, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. And the only reason why he would tell them not to be afraid is because there's a presence of fear. Isn't it? Why would you tell someone don't be afraid when they are in security? No. It's because they know that, hey, fear is looming. That's the only reason you, can, you encourage them. The only person that needs encouragement is someone who is afraid of something. Isn't it? Someone who is about to give up. That needs encouragement. But someone who is still active and is ready to do it, you don't go, oh, come on, go you. No. You just sit down and let him do it out. But Moses told them, do not be afraid. And then the second word he said was, stand still, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you when? Today. And I like the fact that he told them today. He didn't just say stand still without a specific time. He said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will perform today. No other day. Today is the day of salvation. And it took Moses some boldness to say that especially in the face of one point something million Israelites, thinking, Moses, why did you lead us here? We trusted you up till now. Why did you lead us here? Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to get killed? And this guy was by himself. I tell you, he was by himself. At this time, no one was talking about Joshua. At this time, no one was talking about Caleb. At this time, no one was talking about Aaron because Aaron was there. All of these guys were supporting him. But when the Israelites started talking, 
I can imagine they just kind of withdraw and go, hey, Moses, want to talk to them? Talk to them. They're talking to you, Moses. Talk to them. And Moses is always alone, but Moses knew where to look. Moses did not look inward. He looked upward. Are you still here? Because he knew that the, 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 the salvation was not coming from his ability to think. He knew his salvation was not coming from his ability to try to, to rationalize. Okay, what's going to happen? Okay, let's do it scientifically. What's going to happen? What have they said before? No, he knew that his help was from God. This was more than mere man. And you know what? This is where God comes in. And if they asked him, what should we do? He had nothing to tell them. And all he told them was, fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And guess what he did just after that? All right? Mm. Oh, I love this guy. I love this guy. Do you want to um, go to King James Version, please, for a moment? I love this guy. And I want to... I prepared my message out of King James. I love King James. I'm a child of King James. Okay, let's do it. Verse 14, or rather verse 13 again. <clears throat> and Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today for the Egyptians whom ye have seen today. Ye shall see them again forever, no more. It was definite. It was definite. They so say, you will see God's salvation today because the Egyptians that you see today, the key word is today. The Egyptians that you see today, yes, they are visible. Their threat is imminent. Their threat is real. The Egyptians you see today, you will see them no more forever. It is an election. It is completely, complete riddance. It is not partial. And that's almost his God. But he was speaking faith. And what did he do? Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, you see, I'm not sure if anyone got this. All right. In verse 13, Moses said to the people, all God said to Moses before then was tell the people to go to a particular place. So they were hedged in. And when the people came to him and said, Moses, what should we do? Come on, look at the mountains and look at the sea and Pharaoh behind us. And Moses spoke out of faith. Hey, spoke out of faith. That's in verse 13. And in verse 14, he said, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. While you hold your peace, just stay calm. The Lord himself will fight for you. Then in verse 15, he said, then the Lord said, can you see that Moses was speaking all by himself based on his understanding and trust and, and the God capacity in him? He boasted. He was boasting. Right? He didn't know if it was going to happen, but he knew God. So he boasted in the might of God. He, he just said, hey, guys, calm down. Calm down. 
and see the salvation of the Lord, which he is going to perform today, because the Egyptians that you see today, you will see them no more forever. Because the Lord will fight for you while your peace is undisturbed. So he said that before God said. So it's not because God has said before he thought, oh, yeah, God has already given me a word, so let me speak faith. No. Because when God has given you a word, the next word that you say is not faith. But the words that you speak before you hear from God is faith. Does that make sense? And some people are looking upward just to, so that they can rationalize it. It's okay. It's all right. When it settles, let me know. Tell me, if I told you I'm coming to church and when I get to church, I will pick you up and go drop you off at home. And someone else asked you, Onyeka asked you and said, um, how are you going home? And then you went, oh, no, Pastor Marcos is coming to church to pick me up and they'll take me home. Is that still faith? Not really, because I already promised. Well, unless you were doubting. If you were doubting me, then to you somehow it is still faith because you are in doubt, in which case it's not my problem, that's yours because you're a doubter. <laughs> all right. But if I had not told you and all of a sudden you realized you didn't have any other way to go, to go home and then you go, you know what? Pastor Marcus is going to come and take me home. And then rumor got to me that, you know, someone is waiting for me to come and take them home. That means they trusted me. And you know what? I've got to come through. This guy, Moses, trusted God so much so that he could boast in him. Same thing. Okay, let's move, push Moses aside for a moment. Let's fast forward to, to David. Standing before the Goliath. He did not dream about Goliath. Do you know that? He didn't dream about him. He wasn't told when you get there you're going to see Goliath and you're going to have to fight him. No, he did not. He saw Goliath threatening. And he said, how dare you? He was angry in his spirit. How dare you threaten God's people? This is God's people. If it were other people, I would possibly just walk away. This is God's people. You can't do this. He said, today, I'm going to defeat you. That you will know that salvation belongs to the Lord. And, and God heard that. Now think about it. When God hears you boast in him, think about it. I hear my kids boasting in my ability what do you think I'll do? Do you think I'll cower? Do you think I'll go and hide? Oh, no, I can't. No, I want my kids to be assured. You know what? I got you. I can, I, I can stand behind you. You know, one day I came back home and my wife called me, or rather, before I came home, my wife called me and said, you know, this, there was something going on with my uh, our kids' uh, day, daycare back then, about three or four years ago. And she called me and said, this guy, he said he's a lawyer. He just called me, and all he was saying was just yelling 
and cursing on the phone. That she got so upset because he was so overpowering. She got so upset, so she rang me. You know what? I don't I didn't care what this person, who this person was, how big he could be. I got on the phone. <laughs> Can't even imagine myself doing that. But, but, but I got on the phone and politely asked for this person who is called whatever was his name. And he confirmed that he was the one. And I laid out threats to him without thinking. I said, you cannot call my family and threaten them. I don't care where you come from. I said, if I ever hear that you call my family to threaten them, you hear from me. And he was about to start explaining. I, I dropped the phone. At times, you just don't allow the enemy to talk. Because they talk, they get into your head. I dropped the phone. And then, I didn't stop there. I got behind my computer and sent a long email to where I thought it came from. And in a few days, we landed at court. Um, so the question is, did we win? Yep. You don't threaten my family. And that's just a human being talking. How about God? You think you threaten his family and he, and he just goes, oh yeah, just leave them alone. No, he won't do that. He said, the Lord shall fight for you while your peace is undisturbed. But all you got to do is, you know what? Get to understand his ability, his capacity to defend you and boast in him. I trust in the Lord. And just say, Lord, I know he'll come through. I know he will come through. I know I'm being delivered. Oh, you're just holding me down. It's for a while. It has come to pass. It shall come to pass. You know, at times, some of those terrible things that happen, they don't last more than 24 hours. At times, you just wait and say, you know what? This day shall pass. And at times, 24 hours feels like forever. It's okay, and all I'm asking you to do is do exactly what Moses said. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will perform today. Praise God. Stand still. Don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged. Don't get perturbed at all. Okay? At times you might feel frustrated. It's normal. It's human, right? Because you're still human. You feel frustrated. But what you do with your frustration is what determines your reaction. It's what determines the outcome. You feel frustrated. It's okay. It's okay. How far do you take the frustration? Take it to your pillow. Yell it into it. Okay? Scream it out. Take the pillow off your face. Put on a little smile. And say, you know what? It's been defeated. I've got God behind me. I've got God in me. He's not just there doing nothing. He's not just there, you know, just to say, you know what, I have a new resident. No, he's there. Empowered. I'm empowered by the Holy Ghost. I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to live this life and live it in full. And you know what? It needs to start from your words before you hear God speak. You understand? I'd rather that. 
I'd rather that. I'd rather I boast in his ability and then he comes through. Boast in his ability. I'll say that again. Boast in his ability. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore Christ unto me, so why are you crying to me? But we thought Moses was speaking words of faith, right? He was speaking words of faith, but God is saying, why are you crying to me? Because God is saying, don't just speak faith and say, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. He said, no, 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 no. Moses, you already know what to do. It's great to talk faith, but it's also good to understand that God has given you some capacity to do. He's giving you. So he's saying, Moses, why are you crying to me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. But he said, tell, tell them to move forward. But there was no forward to go. There was no forward to go. And do you know why he's saying to them, move forward? Because he knew there was no blockade. To them, there was a blockade. There was, you know, the sea. But to God, there was nothing. It was just dry ground. And that was why, even without Jesus praying, he, he stepped on water and walked on it. And Peter went, okay, if it's you, ask me to come. He said, you want to walk on water? Okay, come on. And he stepped out and walked on water. So they, don't, they didn't have to pray seven days, oh God, let us be able to walk on water. No, just did, as though it was natural. So at times, God does not see the barriers that we see. And if only you understand that God does not see the barrier and look from God's word. Look from the side of God at the things that stands against you. And at times, personally at times, I say nothing. Because it gets too, too frustrating. There are times I just know if I speak, the next word I'm going to speak is going to be a word of unbelief. So instead of speaking, I'm just going to keep quiet and let God. And at times I just keep quiet. And at times he's asking, why are you not saying something? I said, because I've got nothing to say. At times it's just good to, to be quiet when you've got nothing good to say. And can I say this? Even if you've got something good to say, good things does not make things happen. It's a word of faith that makes things happen. Okay? The word of faith. The word of faith declaring the ability of God Declaring the potential, the, the power of God, you know? And, 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 and you've got his resume, what he can do. So why not employ him? Employ him into every situation. Employ him, right? Employ him. Give him permission to act, to do. Every day you see his resume, you know? What God has done for Murphy, that's part of God's resume. You know, what God has done for Pastor Osas, that's part of his resume. You know, he's just piling up what he's been, you know, what he's doing, his power. And now we're not even talking about the, the days of the Bible. We're talking about now, when we pray, what happens? You know, I, I told my wife, I said, I've been asking for a particular thing, and I've only just been speaking it. And recently, I've not been saying anything because I've spoken enough. All right? And you know what? It's just unfolding as the days go. It's just unfolding. And three times in a row, I've been called at my work 
to offer me more progress, more opportunity to achieve what I want without asking. I am being preempted. Do you understand? At times it gets to a point where you've prayed enough, enough is enough, let it go. At times, at times you don't need to, to pay more than you need to pay. You don't need to pray more than you need to pray. Because at times when you keep praying over a particular thing, it starts to show your unbelief. It's true. Although you're still praying to God, but God is just thinking, how about the one that you prayed yesterday ahead? You thought I didn't hear. That's why you're praying again. Because you don't trust me. It's true. Think about it if I call Courtney and I think Courtney has not responded to me. And I go, Courtney? Courtney! And she goes, I had you. Come on. You know, at times we cry unnecessarily in prayers. At times we do. And that is just exposing us. And God is saying, I know. I know you're trying to build your faith. And your problem is you can't wait. <laughs> because there is a waiting. It's not that God is too far that he cannot hear you now. He knows exactly where you are at. So when you ask him and you think that you have not received it, it's just because there is a waiting time, a waiting period for everything to work out for your good. It's aligning for your good, right? And, you know, people always say God is never too late. God is never too early. He's always on time. He's always on time. Always on time. So if you understand that and trust him, at times just one prayer is enough. And if you want to push it a little bit, then pray a second time. It's okay. But if you start to go from, okay, you know what, Lillian, do you, know, do you want to agree with me in prayer? And then we agree with Lillian, and then you move to Kate. Kate, do you want to agree with me in prayer? And then pray, Kate prays, and you're thinking, no, good God, why is this thing taking too long? And then you come to Pastor Osas, do you want to agree with me in prayer? Say, okay, no, 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 you know what, let's do the pastors now, you know, because pastors, probably God will hear them better. And then, and you, you understand? And then you pray with Pastor Marcos, and, and, and he's still waiting. And you're thinking, okay. Uh, what other church can I go? You know where power works a lot? And then you're starting to look for a place to go that what it does expose of you is that you have no faith at all. Because you're thinking prayer is magical. That it's just going to work like that. You know, when you pray, it just works because that's how it works. But you see, Jesus said, when you pray, believe. Because all things are possible to them that pray. Is that what he said? No. He didn't say all things are possible to them that pray. He said all things are possible to them that believe. Because when you pray without believing, nothing is going to happen. And that is why most people pray and nothing happens. Because there was no belief attached to the faith. 
So when you pray, believe because all things are possible to them that believe. So did you, can you see that you can even pray for two minutes and that's all you ever need? Because your belief is intact. When your belief is disjointed, is disconnected from your prayer, pray for three hours, nothing will happen. Do you know, it, it was not a joke that God had to tell them, my arm is not too heavy that I cannot rescue you. My ears are not deaf that I cannot hear you. Said so it's your sin, and when he talks about sin, it was actually talking about their unbelief. Because in the scriptures, unbelief is taken as a sin. If you don't believe God upon all his power and mightiness, that's sin to him. All right. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Who is dividing the water? It was not God that was dividing the water. It was Moses that was dividing the water. God did not throw a, you know, a, a staff to him or a rod to him from heaven. No, it was always the rod that he used. Did you realize that? And where did he get the rod? I'll tell you where he got the rod. After he ran away from Egypt, after killing an Egyptian because of an Israelite, he ran away to the bush, you know, to the wilderness, and stayed there for, four, for 40 years. But within the first few years, he met his um, bride-to-be and finally got, met the, the parents, and they were... You know, they were looking after sheep. So that rod was his own rod to support the sheep for his father-in-law. And 40 years later, he was still holding on to the rod. And 40 years later, he came to, with this rod to Egypt. And much more later, he was still having that rod. So he almost became part of him. And as he grew older, the rod, instead of being the rod to lead the sheep, became the rod to support him. So he didn't think too much of that rod. Although God always thought about, you know what, whatever you have I can make use of. And at times he asked him, what do you have in your hand? He said, the rod, just the rod. He said, throw it down. And he threw it down, it became a serpent. And he go, oh, whoa, serpent. So pick it up again. So he picked it up and became rod again. So, oh. No, this, this must be magical. God, who, you, so you said I should go to Pharaoh. So who should I tell him sent me? Because he was thinking, this is magic. Because I have no clue he's talking to me. So who should I say sent me? He said, tell him I am. <laughs> tell him I am. It's quite interesting how God makes use of what you've got. He's not asking you to get, go get something else, something new. There's no new thing that he will ask you to introduce into your life just to do something great. He will use what you already have. He will use what you already have. It's the truth. Jeremiah, he told Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, I'm going to use you. Jeremiah said, no, I'm too young, God. I'm too young. He said, no. Before you were born, I knew you. And I ordained you. And if only every one of us can realize that before you were born, God knew you and ordained you. 
ordained you for his purpose, for what you are doing, for what you are about to start doing in your life. He ordained you already. So everything you ever need is available to you. It's available. Hallelujah. It's available. So he told Moses, why are you crying to me? Stretch forth your rod, that same rod, 40, 50, 60 years ago that he used to lead the ship. He said, stretch out your rod to the sea. That was all he's always got. Stretch it to the sea and divide it. So he did, and, and the sea divided. You know what? Moses was not dancing around to say, oh, wow, it got divided. No, he just knew God as he can do this, and let's just do this. So it divided, and the children of Israel, they didn't have the time to celebrate because it was time to escape. So they jumped in without thinking, how about this water coming back together? So they jumped in, they walked through. But think about it. You read it, chapter 16, chapter 17. On the other side, they started to celebrate. That was when it dawned on them, this is a miracle. Hallelujah. One more thing. Chapter 15, verse 21. See, in chapter 15, Miriam, fantastic, Miriam, that that was, um, what's his name? Moses' sister, started a song. You know, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has heard both horses and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him. You know, he just kept talking about the goodness of God because of what God has done, because of his deliverance. All right? But in verse 21, and Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. He has heard both horse and rider into the sea. So he was talking about Pharaoh and his army. But in verse 22, then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea. I'll tell you what to use. Can can you go to NIV, please? Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the desert of shore. They traveled in this desert for three days. Without finding what? Water. When they came to the oasis of Mara, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, which means bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. What are we going to drink? You see? Three days, only three days was enough for them to turn against God. Only three days from a mighty deliverance to complaint. You know, at times this happens to us every time. Once God has done something in our life, we are happy. And then on the other challenge, you see, and then you start to ask God, God, come on, come on, another one, come on, another one, just do this. And you're not seeing any answers here, you're going... Am I in this world? Am I the only one in this world? Why is everything happening to me? But how about believing or remembering the great deliverance of yesterday? Because if he did that, he can do this and do much more. And I'm going to show something to you that that will possibly support the point that I've made before. 
He said, they came to Mara, and the, and the water, the only water that they saw, they walked for three days, but when they came to Mara, they saw an oasis, right? And the water there was bitter. The water was bitter. And bitter water could kill. Because pure water, the, what are the qualities of the pure water? Tasteless, odorless, colorless. But this was bitter. So in other words, it wasn't pure. It could kill them. And they started crying, oh God. And they didn't only just cry, oh God, they went to Moses and started complaining against Moses. Now, if you study it properly, you realize that their complaint against Moses actually meant their complaining against God. Because when God calls a man and puts him in a place of authority and you speak against him, you're speaking against God. Because it's not about that man. It's about the one who supports him. The reason why you obey a policeman is not just because he can shoot you. Right? It's because he's got the federal government power behind him. It's because you know that anyone, the whole, the whole, the whole commonwealth will support this one policeman against a whole city. Praise God. But see what happened. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Verse 25. Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him what? A piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. What did the Lord do? Talk to me. What did the Lord do? All right, let's go back. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him, note that word, showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. Okay, whilst it's obvious, I'm going to ask you, what did the Lord do? No, the Lord did not clean the water. Showed him a piece of wood. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. That's all the Lord did. Showed him a piece of wood. Did the Bible say the Lord gave him a piece of wood? No. He only opened his eyes to, to realize what has always been around him. Do you know at times the miracle that God will perform in your life is already within you if you realize it. The good things that God has for you, the ability that, that you think you don't have is already resident inside of you. And all we can ask God to do is, God, show me what I've got. Last year we talked about arise and discover. 
Okay, arising discover was not just arising to discover what, no, what is not there, but arising to discover what we have, the sufficiency that we have in God. You don't know the skills and the grace that you have. You know, a, a man of God whom I can't remember his name right now, he, he died, I think, a couple of years ago. He said, the cemetery are filled with people who have not fulfilled their capacity. He said they've only used a little bit of their potential. Because the potential that you have as a human being, before you die, you have not exhausted 10%. Because there's much more. There's so much more. Think about it. 500 years ago, where we would have been, probably our great-grandfathers would have been wearing skin clothes, right? But today, we are using an iPhone, and there's a big, massive metal flying in the air, and we call it a plane. And those were all thoughts, and thoughts made possible by human imaginations, because God has invested in them enough ability to think and create. And God is saying to you, what is around you that you have not determined? What is around you that you have not paid attention to? At times, the prayers that we pray, the answer to them is just around us. At times, it's just the next step that you need to take. And if you read that scripture further, you see that when they walked a little bit further, they saw pure water. In our times, we just stand where we are without making move and, and start to complain. You know, we just start, oh God, oh yeah, but you've not done this, you've not done that. And I wish you could do this. I wish, you know, I wish I'm in God's will. At times, we even talk ourselves out of God's will by saying, I wish we're in God's will. Because you've always been in God's will. I wish this is the will of God for me. But it's always been the will of God. You are not out of God's will. Although, weeping may last for a night, but you are not out of God's will. You've always been in God's will. Even when you're thinking everything is against you, you're still in God's will. Always in God's will. God called you for a purpose, and he has not given you a signature out yet to say, you're no longer my child. No, you're still his child. Whether things are good or bad, you're still his child. If only you realize that he's still God, whether in good or bad times. And good and bad times are only a determination that we make. It's our own personal determination. Because God sees beyond what you call bad time. And if only you can wait, all things are possible, possible to them that believe. And I'm asking you to believe. Believe a little bit much more than you can believe. In other words, you know, someone tried teaching me how to swim, and I just could not trust them. And do you know why I couldn't trust them? Because I knew the time they, when they let me go, I would start to sink. So that's why I still can't swim till today. Okay? So I get on the water, and whilst the, you know, the, the little finger is behind my back, and I, I'm floating. But immediately I feel that that little finger is out. I start to sink. And at times they, they told me, you know what? It was not, not my finger that kept you up floating. 
it was the, the awareness that I'm still here putting my hand behind you that kept you floating. But immediately you became aware that I'm no longer there. You start to sink. Can I say to you that whether or not you feel God's presence, he's still present with you. He's not gone. He's not left. You are full of the Holy Spirit. Can I say that again? You are full of the Holy Spirit. It is your responsibility to get him to work. Now, I was reading something this morning, and the first word I saw was, you know, I'm not praying that the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm not praying that the Holy Spirit should come into me, but I'm only just praying God to make me aware of his presence. You see, and that's all you need. The awareness of God's presence. The awareness of God's presence. When you realize that that thing that you've always been looking for is right behind you or right, right inside of you, you won't worry anymore. You won't worry anymore. Let, let's say, for example, and this is my last sentence, okay? Sentence, I mean. Let's say, for example, that you didn't have enough money to pay your, for students. You didn't have enough money to pay your school fees because you think you didn't have enough money. All right? And, and you've worked for a particular employer who just gave you the sack, you know, so many months ago, and, they, and you've not been paid. And all you've been doing was just been crying and trying to borrow from someone, and no one is responding to you. Uh, and you're not aware that this employer has since paid you and paid you some $50,000, and it's, in, it's sitting in your account. And you, you're not aware it's there, but you've not logged in to see. Um, but, but it's just there. But you're still crying and saying, God, come on, help me. God, I'm about to be given a suspension from school. Help me. How do I do this? And then, all of a sudden, you thought, okay, let me go to the bank to... You know, to just update my details. And then, for some reason, you asked for your balance, and they told you $520. And you knew it was only $50,020. You knew it was only $20 that you knew you had. Now, there is an additional $50,000. For some of us, I'll tell you what you do. You're not going to express your surprise to the cashier caught you. You're not going to express your surprise because you're just thinking, uh, if I express my surprise, they might just pull it out. <laughs> For some of us, you're just going to say, oh, okay, do you know, you know, can you print me the, what do you call it? The statement. Because you want to find out how that money came in there. And then you realize that it was, it's legitimate. It's legal. It's your money, actually. 